Soul Crush, a podcast dedicated to spirituality, sexuality, and sharing stories that inspire the soul. We release an episode each new and full moon devoted to healing the shame that binds us and illuminating the infinite possibilities and courage of the human spirit. We recognize infinite universal divinity as who we really are and help move others away from ideas and beliefs around God and love that are oppressive. We support the fullest expression of our soul's highest callings to be of service in this world. This is a celebration not of the I or of the me, but of universal love and reverence for the earth that we walk upon. I am your grateful host, Adriana Rizzolo, and I am humbled and honored to be here with you. Soul Crush party people. Uh, today I'm super excited um, to share with you one of my all time favorite spiritual teachers. Um, her name's Mirabai Star. I met Mirabai many years ago when I was on a retreat myself at Omega Institute, and I just felt this connection to her and, and this presence within her that I knew I wanted to learn more about and I started exploring her her books, her book God of Love and I just completely fell into this whole realm of deep resonance with her and with her writing and her journey of experiencing life and spiritual transformation through loss. So today is a new moon in Cancer, so happy new moon in Cancer. And what I know about cancer is this, you know, willingness to really look at our suffering and the suffering of humanity um, as a way to really experience deep wholeness and compassion. And it's a deeply feeling um, sign and... I just feel like this podcast today is so perfect and Mirabai is so perfect um, to hold this, you know, great mama energy. I'll read you Mirabai's bio. Mirabai Starr is the author of long-anticipated memoir, Caravan of No Despair, a memoir of loss and transformation. In her critically acclaimed New Translations of the Mystics and Reflections on the Unifying Teachings at the Heart of All Spiritual Paths, Mirabai uses fresh lyrical language to help make timeless wisdom accessible to a contemporary circle of seekers. Mirabai teaches and speaks nationally and internationally on the teachings of the mystics and contemplative practice and the transformational power of grief and loss. She's available for interviews, speaking engagements, workshops, and contemplative retreats. She lives in the mountains of northern New Mexico with her husband, Jeff Little, Ganga Das. Between them, Mirabai and Jeff have four grown daughters and six grandchildren. 
Mirabai's youngest daughter, Jenny, was killed in a car accident in 2001 at the age of 14. On that same day, Mirabai's first book, a translation of Dark Night of the Soul, was released. She considers this experience and the connection between profound loss and longing for God the ground of her own spiritual life. So I'm sure just by that you can get a sense of uh, the profound gift that this woman is in the world. And I will leave us in this moment with a poem for today, for this new moon in Cancer and for this intro and introduction for some of you and some of you that know Mirabai to really honor and um, welcome this time as a time for us to really be and receive the support that we need to feel the things we need to feel to help us continue to allow our, our hearts to break open. So this poem is a poem by Christine Laura Weber and it's called Mother Wisdom Speaks. Some of you I will hollow out. I will make you a cave. I will carve you so deep the stars will shine in your darkness. You will be a bowl. You will be the cup in the rock collecting rain. I will hollow you with knives. I will not do this to make you clean. I will not do this to make you pure. You are clean already. You are pure already. I will do this because the world needs the hollowness of you. I will do this for the space that you will be. I will do this because you must be large, a passage. People will find their way through you, a bowl. People will eat from, from you. And their hunger will not weaken them to death. A cup to catch the sac sacred rain. My daughter, do not cry. Do not be afraid. Nothing you need will be lost. I am shaping you. I am making you ready. Light will flow in your hollowing. You will be filled with light. Your bones will shine. The round open center of you will be radiant. I will call you brilliant one. I will call you daughter who is wide. I will call you transformed. So thank you again for joining me here on Soul Crush and please enjoy this episode and give us a rating on iTunes if you can and send me any feedback. You can email me and find me at Art of Loving and I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to share all of these different teachers and artists and, and beings that really share light and creative energy and that are here just like you are to do what we can to make a difference in this crazy world that we are all living in and doing our best to show up inside of even amidst all of our challenges and all of our unique life experiences that bring us its own set of suffering for us to continue to explore together and to use as a way to know ourselves more deeply and then to know the need of another 
in a greater way. Mirabai really shares and embodies this feminine aspect and ability to hold and to transmute the things that we experience in life in a way that is just so deeply astonishing and honorable. So I'm sure you'll enjoy her presence and I'm sending you all lots of love. Hello, welcome back to Soul Crush. Today, my soul crush is a dear teacher and what I consider a mentor and just a beautiful woman named Mirabai Star. So hi, Mirabai. Hi, Gianna. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to... to, um, It's funny because I was going to ask you to kind of go back to the beginning of your spiritual life. And now in this moment when I'm tuning in, and like I said, when I tuned in to this before we started, I felt just an extreme overwhelm of um, of deep emotion, but also tenderness and, and vulnerability with, with you and with tuning into this moment that we're sharing. So maybe I'll go there instead. What is something that feels very tender and vulnerable for you in this moment? Mm-hmm. Well, that was an interesting way to start. <laughs> that one. Oh, God. Um, you're very perceptive, very empathetic. I know that about you, and this has just been confirmed. Um, yeah, and I've done maybe a hundred interviews that start off with my spiritual background. So this is really refreshing. Mm-hmm. And really relevant because um, I just got back from two weeks away. I was teaching up in Canada. And while I was away, three people I knew committed suicide in my community, not my spiritual community, but my where I live. And, um, and then yesterday, which was my first day home, I spent the day with another very dear person, very close to me who is struggling with the desire to live. Meantime, you know, children are being separated from from their families at the US border. I'm an interpreter, um, I'm fluent in Spanish, I'm a Spanish translator. And so I've offered myself as as an interpreter for the the immigrant community. And so there's a lot going on uh, there. And um, my concerns for Mother Earth every day that the the person uh, in charge of the U.S. government right now is in power. Um, I feel like it's it's not just like, oh, the pendulum is swinging in this direction. It will swing back into the other direction. I feel like every minute is doing more grave and irreparable damage to the planet. And so... Um, I am feeling the weight of the suffering of the world. I mean, I've always felt it. I've, you know, I, I have this book. It's fun doing this in my own house. I can share this stuff. Um, I have this book called Mother of God, Similar to Fire. I know that you know it, Adriana. And it's a, it's a, a collaboration with an iconographer priest who is very much a feminist. And um, he does these icons of Mother Mary 
I'm just going to open it random here. And yeah, they're really beautiful. And um, he asked me to write a prayer for each one. This was about, I don't know, six or eight years ago. And I did. And, uh, and they're kind of universal prayers to the divine feminine. And they're all, I notice as I read them again, they're almost all about holding the pain of the world, which is what I feel like Mother Mary's role is as a spiritual resource for us all, any tr religious tradition or no religious tradition. And so I, for a long time, I've been deeply, um, I don't know, let me say willing to feel the pain of the world far and near. And, uh, and so today that's more up than ever. It's not like you make a decision to open your heart or more often to allow your heart to break open. Mm -hmm. And then now you've got the capacity and the compassion to hold it all it's still, it has to break and break again. Mm -hmm. And so um, my heart is breaking today for the pain of those I love, which is every, every sentient being, as it turns out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I feel that and I feel you and I can absolutely relate. Um, yeah. Deeply, yeah. Can I read a prayer from this book? Yes, please. What do you love think? That. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you how, how we, I don't know who I'm referring to when I say we in this moment, but I, my intuition was saying, how can we support you right now? Like Aww. you, Mirabai, you know? And so I feel like that this is the answer to that. <laughs> Letting me read a poem. Yeah. <laughs> the poem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, may it be some refuge for us all. So this one's called um, She Who Hears the Cries of the World. Mm. And of course, that's another name for Kuan Yin in the Chinese Buddhist tradition, the, the Bodhisattva of Compassion. She, Kuan Yin, She Who Hears the Cries of the World. Mm. Mother of Mercy, the cries of the world keep me awake at night. I rise from my bed but I cannot locate the source of the wailing. It is everywhere, mother, coming from all directions, and my heart is shattered by the sheer intensity of suffering. You of boundless compassion, expand my heart so that I can contain the pain. Focus my mind so that I can arrive at viable solutions and energize my body so that I can engage in effective action. Give me the courage to follow the crumbs of heartbreak all the way home to the place where I can be of real service. Let me dip my fingers into the dew of your compassion and scatter it now over the fevered brow of this world. Amen. So just taking a moment and really just being inside of that, you know, I think it's so natural for me and I think for so many of us to want to run out of these moments of openness and these moments of breaking and 
out of a pure desire to to help too you know i feel so many of us and in our in our you know you you've worked so many so much over the years sharing the stories of um, mystics and saints of all traditions and how it seems to be there's this conundrum and always has been of you know what is happening in the outer world and these you know mystical states of being and the connection between those two or the and it seems like so this feeling that well the world has always been kind of messed up and then there are people who care and then there are people who don't i mean that's like you know simplifying it for sure and it seems like maybe because of the way the world is moving so quickly it's like we immediately want also some like resolution i mean i think it's beautiful too that we can things do move fast and we can like all you know with the internet it's amazing i mean literally everyone can the community can come together so quickly but i also feel the the part of that that is like well it can make it really challenging because it can make it seem like well things are supposed to just change like immediately as well and in my own personal experience that is just not the way it goes at all um i mean i'm young but it still feels like you know the these things that are evolving hopefully they really do take time and so how do we live inside of the time that it takes inside mm -hmm. the breaking and inside the desire to really like do something you know it can be so overwhelming for so many of us and it's making me reflect on the you know the path of bhakti yoga because it really has been for me the first thing that affirmed my dis my longing and my my pain in a way i never felt i always felt like i was being asked to transcend my pain but i also know that to me it feels like what is being called for right now is this very feminine way of experiencing one opening and opening and opening to the suffering which you were just speaking to of those around us and of you know all sentient beings and at the same time being called into service and into action and what do we do with that feeling of longing or what you say one of the lines in in god of love that it just it's in it's becoming over the years embedded in my in my body and in my being that the moan of separation is the cry of union and it's so you know that can resonate so deeply and then in these moments where we're like really really faced with it you know these things that can resonate like this 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 deep affirmation of oh right like i don't have to be different than who i am in this moment to have union to have yoga in that way is so deeply affirming and yet <laughs> it can still feel not satisfying in certain moments because I don't know why. So if there's anything that you um, would share with us around the path of bhakti yoga and and how how that has really 
affected your life and the ways that it helps you to continue to serve in the ways that you do, which are really just so huge from my perspective, um, the ways that you share and the things that you share and the ways that you show up over and over and over again through all the loss and the things that you've experienced. Hmm. Thank you. There was a lot of wisdom in, in all that. Um, yeah. So many things. You said so many different things and I'm trying to find which threads to gather. Um, bhakti yoga. So yes, from a very early age, that has been my path. I was named Mirabai at the age of 14 after uh, playing the role of Mirabai in a, in a school play. Of course, I went to a hippie preschool in the <laughs> 70s, and so that wasn't that unusual, but we wrote a, a play about the story of the life of the 16th century Bengali, I mean, uh, East Indian poet, Mirabai, devotional poet, and, um, we, and it was a musical, so we wrote songs and choreographed dances, and it was it was quite an experience, and um, so I was named Mirabai after that, and Ramdas was the one who kind of stamped stamped it. Um, and so Mirabai was a devotional poet. She was a, she was the quintessential bhakti poet, crying out with longing for her beloved Krishna, the god of love, and kind of went in and out of this dance of union and separation. So ecstatic union, and then and then intense yearning, longing for to come back into union, but but the the pain of separation. So that was really that dance characterized Mirabai's life, and she extricated herself from a position of power and privilege and well, no power because she was a woman. What am I saying? But privilege, <laughs> wealth, and status to spend her life as a barefoot bhakti ecstatic. And um, so this is my lineage. This is my, my soul's path. And yet I have also been equally drawn to spaces of deep silence in which I lose my sense of the boundaries between myself and all that is. Mm -hmm. And for one, for a while, I wondered. I didn't fret, but I wondered if these two inclinations in my own being were mutually exclusive, and if I should be concerned about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the, basically a, a non-dual impulse mm -hmm. and a total bhakti um, mm -hmm. way that mm -hmm. that fills me. And so I guess what, what I've come to is that the bhakti path, the path of devotion, fills me, fills the cup of my heart, and it overflows. And it's like it overflows with something like fire. And that fire melts the boundaries. And then I dissolve back in to the one for fleeting moments. And then there is no longer a lover and beloved. There's only love. And then I return to, to the illusion of separation, which I know damn well is an illusion, mm -hmm. and I have this urge to celebrate once again this love relationship mm -hmm. and to celebrate the beloved. And so then I kind of ease back into a bhakti space. 
And so it's a, it's a total flow for me. Now, where does service come into that? Karma yoga or social justice or environmental activism? Well, in some ways, it, it can't not. Like, I, it makes no sense to me to separate my spiritual life from, from my life in the world. They're totally integrated. And one of the things I deeply appreciate about the younger people that are beginning to, to um, that I'm beginning to hang out with in these, these retreat spaces and conference spaces and online is that for them also, and them I mean maybe people under 40 generally, mm -hmm. is that there's also no difference between mm -hmm. what might be called action and contemplation. Mm -hmm. That cultivating a contemplative practice is essential to stepping up in service in the world because otherwise you're just another angry activist contributing to polarity. Mm -hmm. I just spent two weeks, um, well, I just spent five days in a conference, a gathering of social activists who were really um, speaking out and outraged mm -hmm. by so many outrageous things. Mm -hmm. And but I noticed that in the course of the five days, it never dropped into a heart space where we recognized our interbeing, our interconnectedness with each other. Mm -hmm. um, it was always up here and down here, like maybe first and, and um, sixth chakra or something. Mm -hmm. and, and it never met in balance at all and it was it was distressing to me even though i totally understood everything that they were upset about mm -hmm. and i'm upset about those things too mm -hmm. um so so yeah we're not there we weren't even allowed to talk about spiritual practice mm. and i just felt like a simple contemplative practice meditation practice would have helped so much in the integration process, let alone bhakti practices like chanting mm -hmm. that bring us back into our hearts and into our bodies. Mm -hmm. So um, I've gone many places and I'd like to come back to this issue and talk about a Jewish teaching of tikkun olam, which, is, which means repair of the world. And, and my whole um, sense was so strong right now that we are all prophets and we're all being called um but what that what that means but i want to give you i want to take a breath and give you a chance to, mm. to respond i mean thank you so much for sharing all of that because it's so hard to speak to some of that unless you're in that and getting those experiences it's 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 very it's impossible to speak to it so i really really greatly appreciate one you going into these spaces and, and being in those spaces because some of us wouldn't even choose to do it. So, and it's so important at the same time. And I wholeheartedly agree and also feel that that natural inclination to serve. I mean, especially when we're in this space where you just continue to open and open and open your heart to the suffering. It's like, it really is this natural, you just want to serve. It's like, it's a pull that is almost uncontrollable in my experience. And when it comes to this integration piece of the heart, I find it's also like a superpower that I feel like we should use. Like to me, when I see these, 
you know, when, when I see the injustice and I see like such intense inhumane things and actions happening in the world, it's like, we, you know, we all can come together and also have this like secret superpower, like the power of grace to me is like no joke. I mean, I've seen miracles and I've experienced miracles, you know, and, and without that, in my own, on my own personal, you know, in this incarnation, I would, I don't know what would have been possible in terms of just confronting the suffering that I've experienced and that I've, and continue to experience, but the, the big chunks of it that I've really moved through, especially coming back to what you shared about suicide, and having, you know, people close to me, um, you know, my father committed suicide and, you know, being inside of those spaces, it almost just seems like you want everyone to know about this, this connection to the heart, because it really, it gives us so much more access to change and to what, to, to deep, lasting, longing, you know, change or transformation, I suppose. And so, you know, for me, that's the desire to share these things and, and how I find for me to nurture other people that are going out there and, you know, doing the work and, and, um, and being in the world in those ways. Um, it's, yeah, it's really intense. And I don't understand sometimes how people even do it without having that contemplative practice. But, you know, everyone has their own paths and their own karma. So I would love if you shared and maybe could get a little bit more into, um, we had touched upon earlier, just this, this shadow of, you know, that what you were just talking about, but this, the shadow of white spirituality and, you know, the, the aspects of it that I know for me, I have really been trying my best to speak to this. And on this podcast, it's like one of the things that I want to really get to is, you know, the shame that we hold. And I know for me, that is part of something that I want to make and hold space for and don't always know how and you know i have i just interviewed uh, this amazing man who plays uh, drums for me sometimes when i um leave kirtan his name is arjuna o'neill and um he's this amazing amazing big black man and he has this organization called shared necessities and you know every time i connect with him in that space of like okay where is you know the thing in me that can't relate, you know, or where, where is the peace that I'm, you know, still ignorant to and how can I grow and learn to be more available, you know, because I feel I want to be available to all beings and to, you know, to move into spaces of deeper and deeper compassion, which I feel and really emerges from the suffering and from the shame that we, we hold as well. So if you have anything to share around that. Yeah. So I I had the interesting experience in that in that gathering recently of being shamed as a middle-aged, middle class white woman mm -hmm. who um and there was a lot of projection onto me. Nobody mm -hmm. actually asked me anything about who I am or what I do. And and that was fine because it's not my turn. I have a big voice and a lot of spaces. And that was not a space for me to be um, sharing about myself. And so I took it 
you know, I took a lot of that projection. And as my, my dear friend, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, you know, black activist Zen priest uh, said to me, you know, if this is the tax that you have to pay for marginalized people having been marginalized for so long and silenced. And so, you know, it was, my feeling was Mirabai, shut the fuck up and take it, listen and just be vulnerable and and so I was and but it was not easy <laughs> because I you know I was being accused out outright of being a privileged white person who is co-opting other people's spirituality you know a cultural appropriation of of Hinduism for instance the, the argument was that white people have taken stolen Hinduism by, through colonization, basically, of India, and then packaged it and, and are selling it back. And so for a person of Hindu heritage, for Indian heritage, for instance, to take a yoga retreat, you know, and spend $1,200 or get a certain buy into the yoga gear or whatever is just, um, it's sort of like adding insult to injury, right? And let alone white people taking on indigenous wisdom claims and a lot of money through through that, you know, colonizing and then benefiting for in very real ways that further marginalize and more deeply colonize, continue the colonization violence. So I, it was a huge wake up for me. I mean, I've been I've been open to this for a long, long time, but here's what it where it gets personal. And this is what I love about you, Adriana, and about your way of, you know, and I know that this podcast is about this from the first question you asked, I know this, to get personal about it, mm -hmm. my entire um, dharma, my path has been what might be called interspiritual. I have been drawing on all of the great wisdom ways since the beginning. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up around the Lama Foundation, which is where Ramdas wrote Be Here Now, the original interspiritual community and intentional community here in the, in the mountains of northern New Mexico. Uh, I still live very close to Lama and I'm still very involved. And Lama is the place that, that really first um, modeled this meeting of the ways. So this has been my path from the beginning. Having grown up in the counterculture, this was my, my upbringing um, was countercultural and interspiritual. So now I'm having to look at that and say, okay, this is my heritage. This is my lineage is multi-faith. Um, however, it has a shadow. And does that mean that everything that I do and am is up for, certainly up for reevaluation, but am I, do I need to stop being an interspiritual being and an interspiritual teacher and an interspiritual writer who mm -hmm. celebrates the wisdom and the beauty and the common heart of all of the world's great spiritual traditions because I might be unconsciously contributing to colonization, marginalization, and suffering. So this is what's up for me right now. And I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be no, Mirabai. You don't have to give that up because that is a great service, but you have to be awake inside of it and you have to take responsibility for the shadow. And so, um, so yeah, is that, is that uh. 
Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sitting here like, oh, I can just, it's so, yeah, it's such a beautiful question. And to be inside that question. Yeah. We have to be willing, huh? Mm -hmm. And I know Absolutely. you are. It's reminding me so much of um, my own journey of the feminine and <laughs> a question I've, I've, I continue to ask myself again and again because um, over the years of doing, you know, work with, in particular with women and with their voices and, <laughs> and then with, I, I hold a lot of space for women's trauma around sexuality and sexual shame and and it's not like I just decided one day, like I wrote my resume and was like, okay, this is what I do. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, and with addiction as well. And sometimes I get questions, well, what are your qualifications? And I don't even have any other than my own personal experience and having been brought into the world and resonate, like feeling the vibration of addiction since I was in the womb. So I'm very attuned to it and attuned to it in my own being and attuned to the you know, attuned to other states of energy as well. And I find that that's, you know, part of my qualification, but to be in the question of, and to be inside of the looking at the shadow for me of the feminine, it's really deep because as I embarked and embark on this journey and to me, the feminine being this principle of relatedness, that's yeah. really kind of what I'm nuzzling inside of in terms of what I mean when I say that and so it's including my work including more and more men now which I feel is I'm very grateful for but this experience then and asks and has asked me to face I mean some very very intense shadows when it comes to sisterhood and 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 just being a woman and 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 owning sexuality and um like really intense stuff. And so I just am so grateful that you shared that willingness to be inside the questions and to also acknowledge that, you know, we have to really confront um, these shadows within us because I feel it is part of our duty yeah. if we're going to be in the world to really be willing to explore all of it. And then I like to think and the projection and I'm glad you spoke to that because it's something that I I struggle with a lot in community and in my own then creating of a community I just want everybody to tell everybody everything like I'm I, I feel I'm like if there's a problem like let's talk about it you know like everybody like you know and it's just not the way the world works apparently it just isn't and I have this like idea that is just my idea. It doesn't make it right by any means. And I can become righteous in that, but for sure. But this feeling of desire to just connect inside all this shit and, and, you know, and then also when receiving projections, I mean, what you just spoke to can seem so simple, but it is, that is a very deep thing to sit inside and to just, like you said, Mirabai, this is just a moment for you to just, to just shut up and to just, allow you know to be almost in that moment like that holder of of space for all of those years you know if a, and for the feminine too of you know how many years and and how many generations that we've come from of of suffering and of abuse and um being silent yeah, 
yeah and being silenced and um the journey of the voice which is something i wanted to ask you about because i know you have been somebody that has really whether you know it or not has really allowed me to feel more free to be what i can feel like is too much um and and, and especially with my voice and i i remember mirabai led this really beautiful uh retreat um women's retreat and i led some it's it'll be one of my it's one of my beloved memories of leading this Kali chant with all these women and having everyone stand up and just really, you know, be in their body. And, and I, and I really feel the value of, um, other women like you, one being so free to share your voice. It's changing so much just by you being you and doing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel that so much. Thank you. And yeah. And, and then, to allow others and, and women and men who are in tune with, you know, what, what is deeply um, going to be supportive, I feel to not feel like we're too much. I mean, that, I mean, it's, it's so ingrained in every person I feel like that I should work with or share with. And, and in me, it's this constant journey of like, okay, now it's too much. Okay. And then I like, I'm going through something and it feels like, okay, now this is too much to share. Like pull it back. You know, this feeling of, you know, where is the line? And also, um, when is it too much? <laughs> and you know, anything, uh, that you can share about the voice and the feminine and how those of us that feel like our voices are too much or like we're not what we have to say is not worthy or is not going to contribute in some way that is helpful mm -hmm. do you have any words of wisdom around you know liberating the voice and and the journey of that mm. well once again you said so many things i wanted to respond to um sorry i am very oh. feminine in my way of <laughs> doing things and lots of spirals and exactly that's one of the things that i that i did think about when you were talking is that um you know the feminine doesn't need to solve problems and figure things out mm -hmm. rationally we just we need to connect mm -hmm. and that that is the medicine i think that's most needed right now mm -hmm. um and to go so so let's come back to the voice thing i think yes many of us and i'm like you have been given the message that we're too much. Like, do you have to share all your feelings all the time and ask me about mine? And and also very often the same those same beings like us who have this impulse to connect and to and to overflow what's in our hearts um, have this experience when we're when we allow ourselves to be a conduit for what's coming through so strongly it's powerful and wonderful and joyful to just allow ourselves to be a channel for that which is is calling to us to speak through us so when we can say yes to that it is often a great gift to the world you know so i'm picturing you with that that group of women um that when we were together in Santa Barbara a couple of years ago and what 
what comes through you is transformational. Those women will never forget that evening. Mm, me neither. It was so good. <laughs> me either. So allowing yourself to be that conduit or being invited sometimes, because sometimes we need to be invited. I do. Um, me too. It's surprise. Yeah, it's surprising the the power and beauty of what can come through when we say yes. On the other hand, and this is one thing I love about Hinduism, um, because it affirms this, we're all different. We have different personalities and different karma, and we're, we're kind of designed and constructed differently. And so for some of us, we've had to struggle with our too muchness, and others of us have had to struggle with our not enoughness. And they both carry shame, for women especially. I can't, I just have to rein myself in and there I go again. Um, we've often been accused of not having good boundaries. Mm. And then there are those of us who are, who are very quiet, maybe shy, uh, introverted. And I kind of have both, both of these. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so for, for the ones that feel um, that silence is more comfortable, we often will feel like we're not doing enough, we're not saying enough, we're not being enough. Um, we've never gotten out there as activists to rock the world. We haven't written books, we, you know, whatever. What somehow we're we're not enough. And so I think it's it. Those two things are completely intertwined, don't you? Mm, absolutely. The not enoughness and the shame that goes with it, especially for women, but not only for women. And so, how do we be with what is and what we are i mean to some extent that's just a matter of maturity like mm-hmm. the, i spent my life in my family feeling i was the sensitive one mm-hmm. and i was the dramatic one and i was the emotional <laughs> one and i had to talk about everything and everything. people would roll their eyes at me but now they all totally appreciate that about me mm-hmm. and count on me rely on me mm-hmm. to hold that place in, in the extended family but i and I'm no longer ashamed of it, but I was for many years. But somehow I came around to being with well, who I am. And I think Pema Chodron was a huge teacher for me in that, um, I mean, every book, but I think especially Start Where You Are was mm-hmm. the most powerful opening for me. Mm-hmm. You know, she said that your, your neurosis and your brokenness and your, and your the things you're ashamed of are completely wrapped in with your beauty and your wonderfulness and your gifts and so how do we just breathe into that and be with that and so when I first started really hearing those teachings I said yes I'm gonna gonna show up for this work and it's fierce warrior work Mm -hmm. to be with exactly who we are Mm -hmm. and so that really leads me into what I wanted to talk about earlier which was this Jewish mystical teaching of tikkun olam and the repairing of the world. That's what tikkun olam means in Hebrew. Um, tikkun is, is repair and olam is world, and, or the mending of the world. And, and the idea in, in these teachings is that we are all each, every single individual being is uniquely and perfectly designed to do our task in the world, whatever that may be, to mend, repair, and and restore the world to wholeness. And that it may not look like what your preconceived idea is of, of service 
for seva, seva in, the, in Sanskrit, the selfless service, karma yoga, whatever. There are many ways to describe this impulse to, to help. And, mm -hmm. and so we may look at the activists out there or the, or the writers and the teachers and think that, that, we're, that we're missing the mark by not being like that. And so how do we tune into what is our unique design and our, our task in this world? Because I do believe with all my heart, Adriana and everybody, that we, it, it is our turn, it's your turn, all mm -hmm. of our turn mm -hmm. to step up. And A, we cannot and should not, must not do it alone. We can only do it together. Mm -hmm. And B, we've got what it takes. You've got this. Mm -hmm. You know, how to discover what it is, is, is the jihad. You know, that, mm -hmm. that term in Arabic, jihad, means striving. Mm -hmm. It's struggle. It's a beautiful spiritual struggle. It's unfortunately that word has been totally mm -hmm. distorted by the media to mean mm -hmm. holy war. But it's a deep inner striving to align ourselves with with the one and, mm. and find what is what is the right path for us and and so um with yeah to allow ourselves and this is very feminine also to be in the not knowing mm -hmm. to abide in the mystery mm -hmm. to not know what is is ours but to be open to it mm -hmm and to allowing it to reveal itself. And here's the biggest hint I can give, which is that it's probably something you already love to do and are probably already engaged in in some way. Mm. Beautiful, absolutely. One of the teachings that you gave on that retreat was that, um, I don't remember where it came from, but that you, know, you were saying how we don't need perfect prophets you know, that we, I remember you saying something specifically about, you know, I want a prophet that stutters. Right. And, you know, that, that whole, I mean, it's just such permission for us yeah. to really step up and, and to step up as we are right now, not waiting for some other time for, you know, one to, to be loved by, which I find that experience of being loved, I know is what gives me the strength to step up um mm -hmm. there's a very strong connection between those two things which is why i love bhakti yoga and those practices because i draw my strength from connecting to love and mm -hmm. that's what allows me to step up and i also um yeah that dance between the not enough and the too much and i can relate to absolutely both of those things i have a very much like a extreme inward and extreme outward nature like very extreme so i can absolutely relate to that and it's also reminding me of what you shared in the very beginning of you know this dance of bhakti yoga and you know more non-dual traditions um and i don't i don't know why just maybe because they're two the seeming paradoxes or something like that but holding both of those also mirroring how that that can hold just the bigness of our nature, you know, I mean, inside it's, it's crazy how if we're holding truly everything inside each and every person is holding it's just so much, you know, and when I was on the Ramdas retreat in Maui, 
that's what I asked him. And I was so afraid to ask him a question. And I waited to the very last minute and I was about to leave like the button, you know, the shuttle's coming. And I was like, you are not leaving without asking him a question. You know, and I just went, and the whole time I was feeling so much grief and so much joy at the same time and so much deep sadness and so much beauty. And, and I just was, and I just said, how is all this happening at once? Like that was like, I couldn't think of anything. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to ask him. I'm just going to go up and, and I just said, how can this all be happening at once? Yeah. I just don't, it's just, it's like, and that's the thing. It's not something like you said to the, the feminine of not needing to know and to be willing to not have to understand why things are the way they are, yeah. but to continue to, to, to walk and to continue to serve. Right. And to be able to hang out in ambiguity. It's not, um, we're not conditioned to do that. No. And I know I, I draw on lots of support in my life to be able to do that. You know, sometimes when, you know, people, even, even when people have ideas of, you know, therapy, sometimes people like, if I suggest one of my students go to therapy, it's like, there's this assumption even that, you know, there's something wrong with you if you go to therapy. I'm like, no, I go as many places as I can to help hold everything that's going on inside of me. So, cause that's how then I could show up. And, and I don't necessarily have to buy into some ideas that there's, I mean, there's plenty of things wrong with me, of course. And there will always be, I'm assuming, but it, I, as long as I feel that I have the support that I need to then be able to support others, that's, that's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to close. I know, um, we should wrap it up. So I'd love to close just, oh, geez, I have so many things I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you would share a little bit about your new book, if that feels resonant in this moment, and also I'll say three things. I'll be more concise. I do know how to be concise. It's just, um, it's a very intense practice. Three things, and then you could choose one or you could touch all of them. I'll leave that up to you. One, your new book that is about the feminine, which I'm so excited about because it's, I so resonate in any woman that I resonate with this, you know, in this feminine way. Um, it's just so deeply nourishing for me and for my soul. And so, um, your new book that's coming out. And then the second thing would be, um, you know, this experience of death and loss, you know, as a catalyst for um, surrender and true salvation. That's something else that I was wanting to ask you and uh, nudge your soul about, I guess. I was gonna say pick your brain, but I'm not. I don't feel like I'm picking your brain right now. <laughs> I'm like nudging your soul about. And the third would be about grace and what what grace means to you. Okay, B and C are way too big to talk about <laughs> a minute or two. Um, although they're two favorite topics, especially B. Mm. So let's see. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the new book is that it does bring together these seemingly contradictory, many seemingly contradictory um, spiritual teachings like bhakti yoga 
and the path of the non-dual and I and I blend them and try to share how for me they're they're interconnected and in fact interdependent um so look look for that because uh, I'm hoping it will make some kind of contribution to those of us who feel like we're doing something wrong if we're celebrating the lover beloved relationship because it's an illusion of separation and therefore we should just be buying into these seemingly non-dual teachings but then we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because the devotional impulse of course leads us to to that non-dual state so I try to really um I was going to say make a case for that, but I, this book is not a rational argument, as you might <laughs> Yes. But the book is called Wild Mercy. Mm. And the subtitle is Living the Fierce and Tender Wisdom of the Women Mystics mm. and Across the Spiritual Traditions. I mean, that, that's not in the subtitle, but that is, in fact, what it is. Um, and, and so it's a celebration of these women teachers of all spiritual traditions throughout time and also of disembodied wisdom beings, like maybe otherwise known as goddesses, like Kali and Kuan Yin, um, and many others. So uh, I am feeling like this book is going to be a game changer for me. It's going to change my life in some way. And the irony of that is all my books you know, I've written a dozen books. They've all been invitations by publishers. I've never like approached a publisher and said, I'd like to do a book on such and such. And so that's both a blessing because, you know, wow, I get, I get to work in, in this field, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's also been a restriction. And so this was yet another one. I was approached by the publisher, sounds true, to do this book. And they made it sound really, really simple, but then it wasn't, it isn't. I've just finished pretty much. I'm on edit, the last edits now. Mm-hmm. And it has kicked my ass like no book I've ever written, including the memoir I wrote about the death of my daughter. Mm-hmm. This book wow. has been even more challenging mm-hmm. and is demanding more truth telling than I've ever had to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited and terrified mm-hmm. and <laughs> joyful. And yeah, it'll be out next April. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I guess, you know, the thing about death and grace is, and I'm not trying to sell books because I make around 11 cents per book, but (laughs) if there are 11 of you listening, that's 22 cents. So um, I hope there are many, many people listening. Uh, My book, my memoir, Caravan of No Despair, Caravan of No Despair, also published by Sounds True, which I've read on a, a flight from LA to New York and absolutely sobbed the entire time. But I read it in like, like it was, I completely devoured it. I mean, I've read it more than once, but first time I read it, it was like, just like went fully in. I was, and I was crying in the best way the whole time. Thank you. Yeah. It's not all sad, but yeah, it's a, no, it was good tears and you know, all the tears. But so crying that- is an indication of liberation for me. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> in that book, I really do. I really do explore this. Your question about the connection between death and spiritual awakening, mm-hmm. or grief and longing for God. So, um, if if anyone's interested, that that's a a place where I really do that. Yeah, beautiful. 
Thank you so much, Mirabai. You're welcome. You know, I was very tired when we started because I just got back from traveling and I'm yes. kind of around teaching and mm. have dealt with some um, hard things with people in my life in the last couple of days. Yeah. And I feel mm. revived from this conversation with you, my dear, and with all of you, knowing that you're all here holding this circle. So that's interesting. Mm. That's proof of, of what it is that you and I are trying to, to share with people is that this fills the cup of our souls, this work, and together we can step up and do what needs to be done. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And just to anybody listening, just to send, you know, just so many blessings and so much love to the ways that you do really long to, to serve in the world and to all the ways that you already are, which you already are, you know, whether you're you know, feeding your babies or, you know, teaching or you're trying to figure out how to share your gift as a musician or an artist or a healer or you know you're out there you know in the social justice world and you know so many different ways like Mirabai you so beautifully articulated that we each uniquely have to do our part and we really can only do our part right it's it's um the road that that is here for each and every one of us to walk in and hopefully to walk it alongside some really good friends. And um, I consider you a, a really good soul friend and um, I'm very, very grateful to have spent this time with you. I also feel energized and um, humbled and yeah, just really grateful. And a little bit like, God, I wish I could talk to you for so much longer. <laughs> so, but I'm very grateful for this time. So thank you. Thank you, Adriana. And, and blessings to all of you. Mm -hmm.